0: It's good to be here this morning, and the only thing we knew about Canada, and we're not too familiar with it, I've been here once before, we came over in Sarnia, and if it's under the Bible, while we're talking to Revelation chapter 3, but I'd come over into Sarnia, um, and uh, that's still in Ontario, is that right? And right across the border, in Port Huron, Michigan, and we just went in, did a little bit of shopping to say we went into Canada, and uh, I was so upset because I didn't know they let us pay in American money but then they gave us back Canadian money. And uh, so I was stuck with some Canadian money. I still might have it, so I might use it this week while I'm here. Uh, But it is our pleasure to be here. And the only thing we know about Canada is is ice hockey and maple syrup, amen? And uh, so it's good to be here. Hopefully I'll have some waffles with some maple syrup and nobody hip checks me after church. But uh, it is good to be here. And uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord's gonna do in our hearts this week. And I've been praying already uh, since the preacher contacted me, Pastor. Uh, Fairy contacted me, and, and I've been praying already about coming here, but I really want to see the Lord do a work. I don't take time away from my family very lightly. I love my family. I love my boys. I've got three boys, and be sure to get a prayer card out by the table there and pray for us, but I don't take time away from my family very very lightly, and so they allow me to, to do what the Lord has called me to do, and sometimes they travel with me, but uh, if we're going to come here and have a revival, I really want to see a revival happen. I told our church and I'm generally one of the ones that before our revival meetings, I preached the two Wednesday nights before that and just getting our church ready uh, for revival. And I preach on revival and I preach in a lot of revivals, but I pose some questions to our church. Number one, what is revival? What is revival? If we're going to seek it, we better figure out what it is first. If we're going to desire it, if we're going to have revival meetings, I think we ought to be able to define what revival really is and understand that revival is not a meeting that is scheduled on the calendar of the church. Revival is a supernatural move of God and that he brings life again into our lives, that he calls the backslider unto himself again, that he secures those that are already near him and that he would call the unsaved to be saved. That's revival. And if we cannot define revival, it's not just an event that we put on the calendar. It's not just, well, we have three revivals a year. No, do we want the Lord to work in our heart? And we put emphasis on that three times a year so that the Lord will do his work in us and through us. And so that's what revival is. And I said, number two to our church, I said, okay, we, we, number one, what is revival? But number two, how will we know if we've got it? And it's kind of like number three, what is the fruit of that revival? How will we know, the songwriter put it this way, without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we leave this place. Yeah. Well How do we know that? I believe the greatest way to know that is we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, and gentleness, and meekness, and all of the fruit of the Spirit. If we will know that we have been revived, God, and what our desire is this week is to challenge God's people to live God's way so that they may exhibit the fruit of the Spirit working in their lives. And I want to see a revival happen in this place. Folks, I met this morning, and I just want to see the Lord work in you. Revelation chapter 3. Some may call this elements of revival, I've called that over the years, elements of revival. Some may call it revival for a dark day, and some may call it pathetic when I'm done with it, but we'll try to preach the word of God to you this morning. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14, I'll be quick, I'm very mindful of what time it is and the lateness of the hour, but I want the Lord to speak to your hearts this morning through his word. The Bible says in verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen. We know who that is. That's Jesus. Faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That sounds like a church that is in need of revival. That sounds like a church that is in desperate need to hear from the God of heaven and to be changed. Because thou sayest, I am rich, verse 17, and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel of thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. Father, we thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you for Bethle Baptist Church. Thank you for Pastor Fury and his precious family, the staff here. Thank you, Lord. They've always made us feel like we're just at home here. Thanks for the good music that was sang by the choir and the men. Lord, I pray that you would use all of it. And we'll be careful when we're done with this to give you all the praise and all the glory because you deserve it all. I pray right now from the top of my head and the sole of my feet, you would anoint me with the Holy Ghost of God. That they would not see me in anything that I would say, but they would hear your spirit speaking to their heart. Make us different because of what we'll hear. In Jesus' name, amen. This is an interesting story here in the, in the church of Laodicea is that description, I believe, of the latter day type of churches. And I think if you we were to look as a whole on Christianity, particularly in the Western world where the Lord is doing, I believe, most work that he's doing in, in the continental uh, United States of America and then uh, South America, he's doing some great works there in the country of Mexico and in Brazil. But I think if we were to look at collectively the church, I think we could look at it and see a Laodicean type of spirit has fallen upon the churches of God. And I remember one of my favorite preachers, and actually he's one of my favorite writers, he's written a lot in the King James Bible, and I like the King James Bible. Y'all, y'all, y'all said, I, I don't just like it, but It's God's word. It's God's perfect inspired word and, and uh, preserved for us in the English language and so forth. But I like the fact that the preacher was joking with me about it yesterday. He said, you, you brought your King James this week, didn't you? I said, yeah. I'm glad I left my NIV at home this week. And uh, several, several other people that said, hey, you got your King James Bible, don't you? And I like that. I love it. But one of the preachers, and he's my favorite, one of my favorite writers on the King James Bible, and he said these words to me. He said, Brother Allen, he said, Revelation chapter 3, I preached on that." morning and he said there's an interesting scenario in there he said why is Jesus knocking at the door and I thought well you know it kind of seems like a question you'd ask a third grader (laughs) why is he asking me I just preached the message on this why do you why do you think he's and he said he said brother, I know he said no I said I want you to think about he said why why is he knocking at the door and the only answer I can come up with, because I've got, you know, my, my, my talent from the Lord, my gift of God. And it's not the ministry of helps. It's not maybe preaching. And I got the gift of sarcasm. <laughs> and I said, cause he's outside. You know, he, he said, that's exactly right. He's outside. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be a shame this week if when we're all done, Jesus is still knocking at the door? Wouldn't that be a shame this week if he's trying to get in your home and in your family and he's trying to shake up your life? Wouldn't it be a shame this week if at the end of the week, he's still outside knocking at the door? And as far as we know here, the church in Laodicea never received a revival as far as we can tell historically. They never allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to get inside and to do a great work through them again. But I think if we're going to get some help this week, we've got to have some ingredients with us. And I believe number one is indicated in the scripture here, and hopefully you won't mind that this morning I use a lot of Bible. And I was teasing, I was teasing Jake this morning. I said I'm going to do unlike brother Jeff. I'm going to give a Bible verse when we teach this morning. (laughs) I said said, I'm going to tease him about (laughs) not using a Bible verse this morning. But I love the Bible. Here's what the Bible says: Because thou sayest, look at verse number 17, I am rich and increase in good, and and have need of nothing. But it says you don't realize that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and and blind, and naked. I believe that the first thing, if we're going to have a revival this week, the first element that we have to have is an honesty about us. And we live in a day and age of everybody wants to be famous and everybody wants to be on television show. I don't know if it's it's like it is here, but everybody wants to be famous and they want to find some reason to get on a reality show. and, And the truth of the matter is we all want to look better than what we really are. And nobody wants to be seen as that. I remember the story of uh, Isaac and Jacob. I don't think I'll preach on it this week, but the story of Isaac and, and Jacob, or Jacob and Esau. And he said to his mother when she concocted this plan about deceiving his own father and deceiving his brother, Jacob never said, "I don't want to be a deceiver." Jacob's problem was he said, "I don't want to be seen as a deceiver." In the day and age in our churches, we don't mind looking good. We don't mind looking the part. We don't mind looking like we have revival. But if we're honest with ourselves, we are miserable and wretched. And naked and blind. And if God's ever going to use us, we've got to get honest. We just got to get flat out honest and say this is the condition that we're in and we need help. And I tell you this morning, I said oftentimes to our teenagers that I preach to every Saturday, if you will not be honest, you cannot get help. If you will not be honest, you cannot get help. Jacob in the scripture there, the you, you ever notice when he wrestled with that angel, the first thing that the angel said when Jacob insisted on having the blessing of God, and, and boy, Jacob's heart, I, I understand Jacob's heart, and all of his life he was seeking the blessings. I mean, from his father, he was seeking the blessings. He said, God, Dad, I want you to bless me. It was so much so that that birthright blessing, he was willing to deceive and do whatever it took to get the blessing. Now, there's nothing wrong with the blessing, but God wants us to do it the right way. But Jacob, his life sought that blessing and he wrestled with that angel until the daybreak. And that angel, when the Bible says he would not let him go and the angel even touched the hollow of his thigh and I still don't read where he let go. But what did the angel ask him before he blessed him? What's your name? And for the first time in his life, in a long time, he said, my name's Jacob, which means trickster, liar deceiver. For the first time in his life, he got honest again with God and honest before the angel of the Lord. And he said, hey, and I believe that's Jesus Christ because he named the place Puniel after that. I forget the name of there. Uh, After that, he said, I've seen the face of God. It wasn't until he said, yes, I am a deceiver. It wasn't until he said, yes, I am Jacob. I am the trickster. I am the deceiver. Where God came to him and he said, no, no, no. That's not your name anymore. You're no longer a deceiver. You're no longer a a trickster. You're going to be called Israel, which means a prince of God. Can I tell you this week, if we're not willing to be honest, we might as well pack everything up and go back home right now. If we're not going to be honest and say, you know what? I'm a deceiver. I'm a trickster because until you get honest, you cannot be helped. We need to get honest about our condition. The truth of the matter is here this morning, we, we, we looked apart, Most of you looked apart this morning. And we can act like church people and we can talk like per- church people and we can shake our hand. Hey, brother, how's it going like church people? But the truth is, if we could see what's deep down in our hearts, we would see ourselves as miserable and blind and wretched and naked. We would see ourselves as God really sees us. But it's then that we can get some help. Yes, sir. You ever had a cut or a sore? And it's much like men. We, you know, we don't, uh, you know, if you're like us, we don't go to the hospital, you know, unless our arms falling off and uh, you get a little hangnail. And it's like, I don't want to go to the hospital, over that, I don't want to go to the doctor over that. And a lot of times what will happen is the problem. By the time you want to get help, the problem's 10 times worse than what it was. And I remember at times in my life, I got stung by a bee. I'm allergic to bees and I found that out the hard way but I'm allergic to any stinging type of an animal. And I was at camp one year and I got stung on the arm here and I had had some sweet tea and a can and and this bee, I mean, it it literally made a bee line for me. And uh, that thing came through the air and it, it was like a kamikaze dive bombing suicide mission. And it came and it hit me right up, boom, hit me right in the arm. And I had a little reaction there and I said, oh, that'll be okay, that'll be fine. And then it got bigger. And it got bigger, and I went to sleep that night, and I woke up that morning, that next morning, and it had gotten infected and, and, and irritated from my wrist all the way up into the halfway up my bicep. And had I, I believe, had I waited another day, it could have even taken my own life. But it wasn't until I got honest and said, listen, I, I, I'm in trouble here today. And I'm talking to people that have been maybe here for 10, 20, 30 years. And, and listen, I, I, unfortunately, I've seen Christians that have, been, that have been walking the ways of the Lord for over 50 years. And some of them stumble at the last stage of their life because they think they're okay. They think everything's fine. But it is until we get honest that we can get help. Maybe you're here this morning. and You're lost and undone without the Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, until you get honest, you cannot be helped. It wasn't until Nicodemus said, listen, Jesus, I, we know you're a teacher that came from God. No man can do these miracles except God be with him. He said, Brother you believe Nicodemus in chapter three of John got saved? I believe Nicodemus got saved because at the end of at the end of the, uh, the crucifixion time, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea came and they're the ones that dressed the body of Jesus Christ. For a Pharisee to come and dress the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a huge statement of his faith. But how did it happen? He said, man, I've got to get honest. I've just got to be honest and say, I need some help. I wish Judas would have said, listen, I've got some doubts. I need some help. Now, we understand it was God's plan. And I, I believe that. But Judas said, hey, Jesus, we could have gave this to the poor. And he was always grandstanding before everybody else. And Peter said, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. I will die before you go to the cross. And Jesus said, Peter, you don't even know your own heart. You don't understand your own heart. Before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. How how could Jesus see that? Because he saw in Peter what Peter didn't see in himself. And that was that he was wretched and miserable and blind and didn't even realize it. But church, can I say to you this morning, if you'll just get honest, you can get some help. If you'll just say, man, my marriage needs some help. If you'll just say, hey, me as a church member, I need some help. If you'll say our teenagers need some help, if you'll say my home needs some help, if you'll say my heart needs some help, God will give you some help this week and he'll do some things in your heart that are eternal and without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we leave this place. Well, we've got to get honest. Number one, I believe we've got to get honest about our condition that we're in. I believe we've got to get honest about our concern. If you're not concerned for sinners, listen to me this morning, I'm concerned about you. If we are not concerned about the lost, I'm very concerned about that. I love it. I see the updates from your pastor all the time about missions letters, and he's sharing that. And I love reading missions letters, and I love missionaries. I love going to the mission field. And I worry about a person that says, I have no concern about anybody's going to heaven or hell. We've got to get honest about our concern. I believe the second ingredient is this. Number, verse, take a look at verse number 18. He says this. He said, buy of me gold tried with fire. Buy of me gold. You say, what's that? That's a desire. I believe that's, that's a hunger. Not only do we have honesty, but we've got to have a hunger. Did you come to church this morning to get something from God? Did you come to church, I mean, with the intent in your heart that, man, I, I love the Bible says the word of God was precious in certain days in scripture, and it talked about how people in Ezra, when they found the word of God again, they, they all they did was they stood up for five hours and they read the word of God, but the people were so hungry, they were, and I understand I, I get a little animated, I get a little excited when I preach here, and I'm, I'm not very quiet and meek when I'm in the pulpit here, but I understand, they, they, they didn't do, they didn't have a bombastic preacher there that week, they didn't have the, the national evangelization evangelist there that week. All they did was they stood up and read the word of God, but the people had such a hunger and thirst for the word of God that they stood for five hours when the word of God was read. And the Bible says when they made an ending of reading, the people tore their clothes off and they had the greatest revival, one of the greatest revivals their nation ever saw because they had a hunger for the word of God. It didn't even say they sat for five hours. They stood for five hours. Because the word of God, it had been so long since they had it. Let me tell you, what was, what's your desire like this morning? Do you have a hunger for revival? Do you have a hunger for the word of God and, and what it can do in your heart to make you a different creature and make your home different? Do you have a hunger? Because I can tell you this, when it gets serious enough and we get hungry enough, we'll We'll eat. Believe you me, I'm starving right now, and uh, my stomach will be growling in about two minutes. I'm going to give the invitation. I won't even finish this message this morning. I'm hungry. The guys are telling me yesterday they ate ribs and barbecue and all that kind of stuff, and, and uh, we, we used to have a joke around our place, and, and uh, not to be crude, but they say, they say well, you know how you can, Adam and Eve, and they say, well, you know how you can tell Adam wasn't a black man, right? And the joke was, you ever try to take a rib from a black man? And uh, that was the joke, but I said, I said, you know what? That proves that proves that Adam was black, because God had to knock him out to take his ribs, amen. And uh, I love it, man. But man, you get hungry enough, man, you'll be surprised what you'll eat. I like watching survival shows and different things, and, and a lot of times you'll see, man, there, and they'll take, I'll see them take a rabbit, and they'll crack that thing's neck, and they'll be tearing that hide off of that rabbit, and man, they'll eat, it. I mean, they'll, they'll build a little bit of fire there, and they'll, sometimes they'll eat bugs and worms and all this different kind of things, and, and I mean, they got to choke it down, but when you get hungry enough, you'll be amazed at what you'll eat. And those of you that choke on the word of God every week as the pastor's giving it out, and you kind of throw it back up and you're not really. It's because we're so full of the world that we're no longer hungry. We're no longer hungry to say, well, let, me, let me ask you this. I mean, I'm not going to finish this message this morning. I, I realize what time we're in. Maybe if Lord willing, we'll, we'll do it tonight. But when was the last we used to call it in the southern part of the United States, we used to call it getting under a burden. And I don't know if they use that expression here. But we used to call it getting underneath a burden of something. And when, let me, when was the last time you were so hungry for God to do something that it brought a tear to your eye or it woke you up in the middle of the night or it drew you to the altar? And there are some of us that we have lost relatives and lost loved ones. The other day, boy, somebody was preaching a message in Tennessee, and God began to put my uncle on my heart. We have the same name, except for our middle names are different. And we've got the same names, and boy, God put my uncle on my heart. And I I can't tell you how many times I've prayed for my uncle to get saved. Him and my aunt are both Jehovah's Witnesses, and she's like a third or fourth generation Jehovah's Witness. And they're lost and undone without God. And they have walked out, Pastor Fury, they have walked out of two or three funerals that I've done for family members that were saved. And every time when I get to that point that says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father. But I mean, I can almost set it by my clock. They'll stand up and walk out. But I'm going to tell you what, God gave me a fresh and new burden this week for them. God gave me a fresh and new burden for family members that I have that are away from God that, that, don't, that, that they once knew and they tasted of the heavenly gift as Hebrews chapter number four tells us. And they were enlightened by the spirit of God, but they've, they're gone away from the Lord and they're no longer serving him anymore. And I'm going to tell you, God gave me a fresh and new burden this week for them to pray them and to draw me to my knees again. Let me say to you, if it gets serious enough, it'll draw you back to your knees again. But we have to develop an appetite and a hunger for the revival of the word of God to be able to say, hey, listen, my country needs the Lord and this country needs the Lord. And if anybody's going to change it, it's going to be him. But he won't do it through the birds in the air. He'll do it through some hungry people that want to see him do something in their lives. I'll tell you what, if you're hungry, you'll show up tonight for revival. If you're hungry, you'll show up Monday night for revival. And a lot of times I think we expect the world to get right. But see, the Bible says that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And I believe repentance must first begin at the house of God. And I believe making things right. Listen, the world has always been worldly. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, the scripture tells us. They're not getting better. But God's judgment has never hindered on the world being worse. It has hindered on his children being hungry and wanting him to do something better in them. You know, Sodom was not destroyed just because there were Sodomites there. Sodom was destroyed because he said, I can't even find 10 righteous people. I can't find 10 people that are doing what's right and know the God of heaven. And while we bemoan the things of the world, the truth is the world is hungrier for their sin and abominations and wickedness than we are hungry to see God do a work in our lives. We've got to get hungry, church. Tell you what, if you're hungry, if you're hungry, it didn't matter. There's an old boy saved when I was was singing for a revival down in uh, Iowa and in the Midwest there about three hours from our church. And boy, do we have a revival. And God just began to break things out and break things through. There was a man who who was coming to the church, but he had not been saved. And he said, I know I need to get saved. He said, I just need a little more time. And and on Monday night of that revival, God was just working on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. He came back. And on Monday night, he came by himself. Him and his wife were coming, but he came by himself to that revival. And Earl and, and the pastor said, he said, I just don't feel like we ought to end tonight. He said, I just don't know what's going on in people's hearts. He said, but just the Lord's impressing on my heart that the preaching was done. The singing was done. Everything was done. And he said, he said, I don't believe the Lord wants us to leave here tonight. He said, Brother Allen, can you go back to the piano and uh, can you sing us another song? And as I began to sing that next song, Earl got up out of his seat and Earl ran over to Brother Todd, uh, my good friend, Brother Todd. He ran over to Brother Todd in the background. and he said, I need to get saved now, and Earl went out and got saved and by the time the second, I was singing the second song he, ran, he didn't care that I was singing he didn't care about the organization he didn't care about anything Earl came right down the center aisle to the pastor who was sitting on the platform and he said preacher I got saved and several of the men gathered around him began to pray with him and rejoice with him over getting saved then his wife came and she wasn't there that night. They were opening up their pet store at a different location. They were moving the store. And his wife came over. The second night, his wife, got, his wife came back to the church, and she didn't move through the invitation. She didn't move to the preaching. She didn't move in the singing at all. We couldn't tell what was going on in her heart. But when the service ended, they got in the car, and as soon as they started the car, she just began to weep uncontrollably. And Earl says she wept all the way to the pet store. Well, after church, I was pretty hungry like I am now. And we got out at the restaurant, and Pastor Booth took a phone call, and he said, Brother Allen, can you come with me real quick? He, and he, I said, got in the car. I didn't even know where we were going. I said, I hope we're going somewhere else to get a pre-meal meal right now. And uh, he, he, said, he said, no. He said, Earl called me. He said, his wife was weeping all the way back from the church. He said, he said, Earl said, if she'll get saved, it'll be tonight. Come now. And we at 1030 at night showed Earl's wife how to be born again. And in that dirty, nasty pet store, she knelt on the floor there and invited Christ to be her savior. And we rejoiced over that. But I called Brother Booth the other day and he said, he said, brother, how's it going? And he said, he said, man, I just want to encourage you in the Lord. He, him and I, we fellowship a lot with each other. And he's a younger pastor. He's a year older than I am. And uh, he said, brother Ali, he said, I just want to tell you. He said, oh, you remember Earl, right? I said, yeah, I remember Earl, man. I remember running down the aisle asking him to be saved. I remember leading his wife to Christ. And he, he said, Earl came to me the other day. He said, we had a revival at the church. And he said, Earl came to me. And he said, preacher, I love this. He said, if we had church every day of the year, I'd come to it." And I believe he would too, by the way. You know what Earl was? Earl was hungry to see God do a work. Are you hungry this week to see God do a work? You believe he could save that loved one? I think sometimes if we got hungry enough and got on our knees again, he might do some more saving. Well, there's this difficult situation, Brother Allen, this, this financial situation that I'm in. It, listen, beyond the finances, he said, listen, if you'll worry about meeting with me, if you'll worry about fellowshipping with me, all these things, they'll be added unto you. He said, hey, just focus on me. If you'll get hungry enough for revival, you'll have it. But I said, number two, I'm just going to give two elements this morning. We've got to get honest and we've got to get hungry. He said, you think you look okay? If you could see it through my eyes, you'd see a different picture. And I'm going to be honest with you. My, my life's verse, if I, 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 don't, I don't really enjoy signing Bibles. I don't know if y'all do that here. And uh, if you don't, thank the Lord. No, <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, but somebody, when somebody does ask me to sign their Bible, here's what I sign. Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried unto the Lord, and he heard him and he saved him out of all his troubles. Listen, there's nothing, Paul, Paul the, greatest, I, I, the greatest preacher, probably a missionary and church planner, Paul said this, he said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's, there's not one good thing about Calvin Allen except for Jesus Christ. That's it. Oh, you seem like a pretty good guy. No, I'm not. I'm a pretty terrible guy. I'm a sinner. But I got a great savior. Amen. And I want to keep keep looking at myself through his eyes. Paul said this, he said his one of his greatest words, he said, that I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. He said that I should be, he said, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. But then he said this: he said, Because the Lord said to him, My strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, we've convinced ourselves if we look like a strong Christian. If we act like a strong Christian, if we talk like a strong Christian, God will use us. He said, no. He said, listen, when when you come to the end of yourself, his grace will kick in and it'll be sufficient and it'll take you through all the way home to glory. But you got to start being honest with ourselves. There's no doubt. I know my church as sure as I know your church. No doubt there are people here almost on the brink of divorce that we're impressed because everybody else thinks we're okay. There's teenagers in this church right now that believe when they're 18, they're out of here. They're done with this stuff. No doubt. But they got everybody else impressed. Because maybe they sing or they, they may speak and, or they may help out somewhere. There's folks in here right now that you're at your wit's end. You're discouraged. and no, Nobody knows it. They ask, how you doing, brother? I think the biggest lie ever told in church is I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing all right. But if you'll get honest, and hey, if you're lost in here today, you've never been saved. You've been playing that part. Maybe this is your first time here. Can I tell you, man? The day I got honest, it was like a burden lifted off my shoulders. The day I said I'm lost and I know it, it was like when I got saved. Man, this burden lifted off my shoulders. And said, man, if I, I wish I would have gotten honest quicker, I wish I would have sooner had gotten saved because I could have just said, hey, it doesn't matter. God sees me and they get hungry for the word of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. As the pastor comes, Lord, I pray that you would bless and use this invitation for your honor and glory, Lord. Thank you how you've spoken in my heart. Thank you, God, that you're still using sinners like me. God, I'm nothing. I'm miserable. I'm poor. I'm wretched. I'm blind. But God, I thank you that if we can be honest this morning, we can get some help. Father, I thank you that For all these years, I've tried to stay hungry on the word of God. And I know there's times where I get full of other things and I have no desire for it. God, I pray that you'd forgive me for that. God, I want to see a church this week. I want to see you do something in hearts that is eternal. God, we didn't just come here to play games and sing a few songs and and preach a few ear-tickling sermons. God, we came here to see revival happen. But it will never happen if we will not get honest and hungry first. Brothers, in Jesus' name, Pastor.